Hello, Familia. Welcome to Remember with Sophia. Let's take a breath to bring us into the space. Go ahead and exhale all the air out of your body. Bring it back in. Hold at the top. Let it go. Bring it back in, expanding your body, opening yourself up, holding, letting it go. And one more. Open your body, open your root, breathe it in, expanding your pelvic bowl all the way up to your, the crown of your head. And hold. Let it go. Feel your body. Thank you for joining me on officially episode one. It's funny because I had episode one all lined up. Then I had the little Thanksgiving inspo. And since then, since one week ago, I've recorded four and a half other podcasts. I, I thought each one was great, gold, fire, to be uploaded and shared to the, I think 43 of you listened to my podcast last week all the way through. Like if I can just be a mirror for one person that helps me like all of this is supporting me and mirroring back to myself i'm seeing so thank you for listening some of you have reached out i had some of you fact check me thank you for that i had some of you share your opinion share your favorite parts and i love hearing that so thank you so here i am re-recording this podcast that i've been wanting to bring through it's a common question in my life um around why i choose not to use this word it's just it's the hologram of existence is pretty funny because the more I tune out of using this word the more people use it back to me it's a new thing on this mountain that I live on of people saying I trust you are blank when they message someone hello Sophia I trust you are blank I've asked a few times like what are you what are you saying to me I'm like I I genuinely do not know what you're saying. You're, you're saying, I'm putting my belief in creating that you're well. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. What if I like just really am deep in it and I really just need one person to reach out? Anyways, I'm being dramatic. Okay. So today's episode is on words of sovereignty. Now, I constantly come into realignment or deeper assessment of words that I use and why I'm using them and what do they even mean when I really slow down and I'm in my body all of my energy is in my body then I'm more conscious and can choose my words more intentionally I really get ahead of myself sometimes and then just say words and that's usually when I stop after I've already said something like what the does that even mean? So we'll get into the word trust. 
because that's a huge one. That's a huge word that a lot of people use under the cloak of empowerment or for a word of endearment. And really, if we pop the hood and take a look around, then we can see that, then I can see, I'll use I language, then I can see how I'm giving my power away and I'm creating attachment in kind of a form of separation I'm seeing in this moment when I use that word. Even though it seems so great, it's masqueraded as this like great word, right? But I don't want to start there with that word. We'll roll into it. <sighs> I just want to start with words in general. We just have collectively agreed upon certain mouth, mouth sounds meaning certain things. And I don't think we really stop and pause that often around the words that we are using. Because what are we really saying when we say things like good, bad, right, wrong, black, white, I mean, easy, hard, that's one I'm gonna get into in a second. These are words that easily quote unquote, <laughs> support us in relating in this physical realm because we have sensations, but how do you know if when you say you're experiencing some type of emotion that someone else is feeling that when they say they're feeling it? You know, we just think that we're relating that we understand and to some degree we can. But when does the pendulum swing a little more to the other end of the polarized scale, does something become the opposite? They're two sides of one unified coin. Black and white, darkness and light, good and bad. Do you see how one cannot exist without the other? You may hear that a lot. One can't exist without the other, but think about it. If there wasn't darkness, light would cease to be a thing. It would just cease to be. I'm talking about in the realm where we label things and box it in so we, our mind feels like it's in control and understands and we can label experience and record and keep moving through this world, right, as a human. But when does the, the scale tip a little bit more in the direction of bad, then it gets that label. Who decides that? Something that you may look at as completely terrible, I may look at as amazing. And then what, am I wrong and you're right? Then we get the energy of right and wrong. <laughs> who decides who's right and wrong? It's usually based on our own personal moral system. But I think we forget that we create the meaning for everything. Literally, everything is meaningless until we come in and we generate the meaning. Woman looks at you funny on the street. Oh my God, she gave me a dirty look. I can't believe she did that. Da 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 da, all these stories, frequencies, emotions. But what's the what so? The what so is, I looked at the woman, the woman made a face, period. What's the story that was created off of it? Well, the story was created that she looked directly at me and she was making that face at me, probably because she's da-da-da-da-da or I'm da-da-da-da-da. So you're creating that. You're creating that meaning. 
I always come back to, and I have the people I work with come back to, what is the what so? Man, I was spinning out on some stories today. A lot of stories. The more evidence we have to support a story, the more the story wants to, it like breathes, breathes life into the story. It adds kindling to the fire. Today, I was really like, <sighs> I've had some evidence drop in hardcore, become louder and louder and louder, and I keep feeding it because it just feels so deeply in alignment. And before I know it, I'm in this whole world, and I just don't, it's challenging for me to come back to my center and breathe. Then I come back to my center, I'm like, oh yeah, wow. I really allowed a whole vortex of stories to spin me out of my center in a time when my being is asking for me to be more rooted in my center than ever before. So really that was just a mirror showing me ways that I'm still stepping out of this beautiful body that I'm just coming deeper and deeper into. How can I listen to you more? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry for again, stepping out of you and grasping, trying to grasp and reach to that which is not my own being. I'm talking to myself right now because I'm feeling it as I type, as I speak. <laughs> I'm so deeply in the vort or the um, undercurrent of, of change right now. And I'll share more as I go, but feeling all the feels. <laughs> it's funny because the last podcast I, I recorded, which was like five days ago, it was about all about fear uh, that we have to make someone bad and wrong in order to make change because we're so afraid to follow the callings of our soul and make change. And what would happen if we were just brave enough to follow that and da 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 da. And then I, I, two days later, I'm like, oh, that was really all just to me. It was just to me. I'm just, my being is talking to myself through the morass of other you here on the podcast. <laughs> and as I bring us back to the topic, I just want to also be mindful that I'm in no way perfect. I'm saying realizations that I have, but throughout this podcast, you'll probably hear me say the very things that I'm anchoring in my consciousness to choose a different word for. So with words like good or bad, this is a big one. This is a, a massive one. This lives in the triangle, victim, perpetrator, and rescuer. We have to make someone bad and there has to be someone else that's good to live in that realm. A lot of people exist there continuously. I love to dip in and out of there. I, s I do at least once a day, but I hold my being so sweetly as she likes to play one of the parts and make someone else another one. But whenever I'm making someone else wrong, whenever I'm pointing the finger out, I'm reminded of the three pointing back. I just come back to myself, come back to myself, come back to myself. What is this reflecting to me? A big thing I hear, like people argue it. It's so funny. It's like, can we just ask our own selves why are we getting so triggered about something? Because that's a knock on the internal door, is it not? Knock, knock, knock. No, it's actually not a knock at the internal door. It's them. Finger pointing out. Hey, I don't know if I had you do it in the last episode, but let's do something real quick. Point your finger up in the air. Just... Point your finger up 
And if you want to give it a good shake, that's good. You can think of someone if you want that's wrong. Point your finger like, you, shake it real good. But look at the three fingers pointing back, the middle, the ring, and the pinky. That's a great indicator. Whenever we're pointing out, blaming, making someone wrong, it's usually a sign to follow those three fingers back into ourself. What is this mirror reflecting back to me? Now, here's the argument that I get quite frequently with people. It's like, I'm not them. Just because I'm see like, they're evil. They're doing this. I, they're not me. You know, like things like that. I'm like, okay. It's not saying, you can look at the mirror at whatever depth you want. You know, for me, I look at it differently than most people, but it's usually signaling something like if, especially if we're in resentment with someone or angry with someone, it's usually with ourself because there's some type of boundary or way that we're being or interacting in that relationship that isn't actually authentic to us and in alignment for us. And so instead of listening to ourself, we step over ourselves and show up in that situation anyways, and then project that energy outward. So then make, we make them wrong. So that's an indicator. Whenever an energy or speech or anything, finger out, three pointing back. So it's like, okay, yeah, my boss is an effing asshole. That's making him bad and wrong. I'm sure you have a whole list of evidence as to why he's wrong. Heck yeah, I do. I have five years of evidence on why he's wrong. I'm sure you do. Um, so <laughs> how do, you, do I want to go with this today? So when we're making someone wrong and we have a whole list of evidence, we're continuously listening and creating them to be that. We go into work expecting nothing less, listening as soon as our boss walks in, we're like, ugh. You know, we're creating, we're, we're co-creating that experience consistently. But anyways, the, res the resentment and the anger is probably the voice coming within of like, why am I at this job? Maybe the job is not in alignment with you at all, but you have beliefs that oh, I have to make money and how can I support my family? It's like, those are your beliefs. Your beliefs create your reality. So if you want to choose to believe this job is your source of survival, you're going to get more evidence why that's the case. But you can change it. You can change your beliefs. Or maybe it's asking you to set a boundary with your boss. What would happen if you're like, hey, Tim, I know that you get um, a lot. Of, I know that there's a lot of energy that can come up in the space sometimes. And you know, when I re receive your conversation, sometimes I'm, I'm creating a story that you're just projecting a lot of energy on me. And it really, you know, from the story I'm creating, it, it creates a space of me not feeling really super stoked to be here and to be at work. And if you like your job, really, then you can say something like, and I love my job and I'd really like to continue it. But since I've created this space, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just making up a thing. You always want to take responsibility. This is the thing I don't enjoy about nonviolent communication. And it seems like a lot of masters in that can't really share with me the answer to this. It's always like tiptoed around or like pushed aside. So if you're a nonviolent communication whiz, it seems like we're telling someone else they're responsible for the story we're creating. Like, I feel this way when you do this and having them take responsibility for us that's nuts to me it's like we need to take responsibility for ourselves. half the time it's from something that played out when we were three years old five years old seven years old last week when's the first time you felt that oh at the fifth grade play when everyone laughed at you it's not tim 
It's your, it's the, it's from when you're in fifth grade. Tim's just reminding you of this trauma that's knocking at your door inside, but instead of actually looking inside, what are you doing? You're pointing the finger at Tim. So anyways, making wrong, usually pointing something within. Now we can go extreme with it. We can go extreme. Ready? Someone's in a relationship where their partner beats them. He's wrong, right? He's bad and fucking wrong, that asshole. So is the woman choosing to stay? Is she going to walk away from it? There's probably a laundry list of reasons why she stays in that partnership. Fear, all of these things, I get it. Maybe I shouldn't have chosen this example. But at one point, the, the decision that the self wants to experience something different or deserves to experience something different than that, when that's decided and aligned with, then everything will change. Right now there's an agreement reality between the two until she decides she has, she's had enough and moves through the scary steps it takes to, to exit that situation. Why do I always go extreme with examples? Why can't I just be, okay, or someone's shooting up a school. You know, they're bad and wrong, right? I mean, come on, we don't even need a laundry list of evidence. That's enough evidence in itself. Okay, you could look at it that way, but if you shift your awareness outside of the triangle of making them bad and wrong and just maybe tune into their field a bit or see or feel into the, this person, I mean, there's a lot of information that can emerge from that space. And then all, nothing is left, in my opinion, except compassion and empathy for everyone involved. No make wrong. So, okay, this was supposed to be on word choices. So let's come back to, <laughs> this is right or wrong. Who decides who's right or wrong? I do. I'm the one who decides. Uh, <laughs> Someone, someone said the other day, this was a good point. A good, see, this is a good point compared to one that is a bad point. <laughs> it's so funny. So I found this to be beneficial to ponder upon. So he said to me, what do you mean? Of course we have to make people wrong. And then I'll get back to, I'll get back to the, the point of this all. He said, one plus one is two. If I write on a paper, one plus one equals three, I'm gonna get it wrong, and then I'm wrong. Okay, there's a difference. Feel the frequency. There's a difference of, that's incorrect. Let's, let's show you how to do math. One plus one equals two, you know? Well, th what, where was the confusion here? Like showing us how a system works versus the energy of you're bad and wrong. A lot of people feel that if you're not making someone wrong, then you're stepping over yourself, but it's actually the opposite of that. You're acknowledging the part of you that's like, hey, this is not in alignment, the way that they just spoke to you and yelled it in your face, or this is not in alignment the way da-da-da-da-da. So you hold yourself and you sovereignly create an experience in a situation that is in alignment with your being, whether it's quitting that job, whether it's telling your partner, hey, you know, you said you would wash the dishes and you didn't. In your mind, you have evidence that this is the 10th time. That fucking asshole, this is the 10th time. How dare he? He's so wrong. He doesn't care about me. All the stories and memes like I made. Instead of all that, it's like, hey, you made a commitment to do the dishes. 
and they're still in the sink. So I'm just wondering, you could even say, I'm creating a story out of this that you really don't care about me. You know, share that, but share that you're creating the story. Don't say, this, when you do this, it makes me feel you don't care about me. Like, no, you're, the story's coming from within. Um, so I'm creating a story that you don't really care about me and you don't care to keep your word to me. And I know that's not true. I know your commitment is to be integral with your word. So I'm wondering if we can work together to co-create a way to have you show up for, you know, what you say you're going to do. Then they feel the partnership and the love. And, you know, once we start coming with making someone wrong, they instantly get defensive. Their whole energetic field. You're bad and wrong. <laughs> okay, you're right. Now I need to defend myself. So. I didn't really want to go too deep in this topic, but I will. I'm going to because, you know, this is another thing and this was the last podcast, how do we create change if not making someone wrong? Because it's scary to make change and, so, and we usually want to make someone really wrong in order to do it because it's easier, quote unquote, I'm using these words, quote unquote, easier, which I'll get into those words next, to leave something that's not in alignment for us when we have a whole lot of evidence as to why they're bad and wrong then we can finally play the victim and then rescue ourselves from the situation. I've been putting up with this for so long. Now I'm finally getting out of this from the big bad perpetrator instead of, no, you know what? This isn't in alignment for me. My soul's asking for more. I'm going to hold it through the fear and move on to the next. If we create things for making someone else wrong, it may seem like we're doing great I don't know what we're doing. It may seem like we're, we're making positive change, but really we're just creating more of the same in the guise of change. Man, I used to be, I used to lead protests. I used to lead fucking protests, be at the front of the line with Corey. Corey, my girl, if you're listening, remember, we would go to Cleveland, Ohio. We'd literally, it's like, how do we always end up like leading the march, holding the main signs, making up the songs that people are singing in the march. Hell no, GMO. Hell no. Am I right? Come on, everyone. Hell no, GMO. You know what I found? Literally just being an example, an embodiment of what I desired to see was far more effective than anything I could yell and hold signs about in the street. Yelling at people to wake up. You should check out my Instagram. Scroll down to 2014 if you want a little laugh at the back of my car. I love telling everyone how woke I was, how aware I was, and how they were all asleep. <laughs> so cute. So let's move on into other word choices. So let's use words like easy and hard. Easy and hard. Now, these are words that really, once we label something as one of these two things, our whole experience is defined. The, the next actions that we take are defined based on these labelings. These labelings have, we give them the power to like just completely sabotage some, a path that we were inspired to take. Oh, it's too hard. Ooh, that was easy. I like that. Oh, that was hard. I don't like that. Give me something easier. So... What, what we're really saying here is based on a past-based experience, so we're living in the recorded past of our, of our being, of our experience, 
we had an experience of something being working for us the first time we tried it in the way that we were attached to, that we imagined it working. We acted in that way and there, there it happened. It worked exactly the first time and it produced a feeling in our body of like, wow, look, that was fast. I did it. Da, 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 fast is relative. I did it. Da, 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 da. That was easy. So then we create in a relationship with this word on the other side of the pendulum, which I mean, everyone's pendulum's different, right? So the other side of the pendulum where it's like, okay, I, I want to try this. I want to try to climb this tree. It looks so quote unquote easy because Johnny went up the tree in two seconds. So you create this story. But then you, you notice like, okay, wow, it's really kind of challenging to pull myself up. Wow, like, why am I not going as fast as Johnny? Da, da, da. Create a story that it's hard. Oh, that's too hard for me. That's too hard. And you just stop instead of maybe looking at it like, this is challenging me. I found my edge and it's inviting me to lean into it, to expand into this space. In my experience, things labeled hard in the past, I would just abandon ship. That's too fucking hard. Instead of like, whoa, I'm experiencing sensation that I'm labeling as hard. And from this labeling, it's enough to make me completely jump ship. <laughs> but do we realize that we're creating that experience? What if we even, I've even met people who have rewired their brain to have a positive relationship with that word but they, they've changed it to challenge. And it's like challenge is exciting, invigorating to their being to come up against a challenge. Like, woo, yes, a challenge, an opportunity for growth, for expansion. We have the power to rewire any belief, any word choice, any box that we've created to just put ourselves into or to put experience into. So that's cool. That's cool, right? To have that level of, con of control over our reality. Part of me is like, no, it's too much responsibility. I let these words define me for so long in my life until finally Sage really supported me in, in shifting out of those words. I can't, I can't share classes online. I'm too afraid. I was afraid to even talk to people. I'd shake. My hands would shake. I'd sweat. And then I was reminded it's just sensation. So I'd hold my sweet bean as she would shake. And then I started delivering two classes a week for about a year and transmuted it, poke away poco. Like, oh, this is just sensation. This is just sensation. A master alchemist can view sensation, view their being already labeling it as intense, as F, and then in that moment choose differently. Bring in a different frequency that allows surrender into that feeling and then it becomes something different. For the first time today, I was receiving a Thai massage. If any of my mountain fam are up here, it, you know, Diana, medicine woman, man. I needed it, I so needed it. So she can get in there to where I literally wanna just scream, 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 and cry and like, fuck, I'm having images flash in my head of past lives, of, of childhood and this life, crazy shit, deep healing. So. Ooh, I said healing. That's interesting. So, um, yeah, I was working with this in real time of feeling the sensation where my body would be like, fuck, oh my God, I just want to scream. And then I would look at my reaction to that and I'd be like, wait, 
come on, from a greater awareness. And I'd relax a little deeper into the pressure, into the sensation, and it would become something different. It was the first time I've ever experienced what the word that kept coming up was rapture. Rapture. Because it would become so pleasurable in that moment. That's a, and I'm a little bitch when it comes to pain. I'm like, run away from pain. I mean, even though I've been in, what, 10 years of <laughs> eye ceremonies that create the craziest amount of sensation. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, um, I'm still like, pain, no, no, no. But I'm, I'm getting better into surrendering into the sensation and allowing it all. What am I talking about? I need to give myself credit. I really am getting so much better better and better at viewing the sensation and the one that wants to run away from it, yet holding that part of me and surrendering in it with that being. What do these energetics have to teach me? What are they showing me? How am I creating more of this? Half the time when I feel pain in my body, if I enter it, enter into it with my awareness and expand it out and open into it with the keys of curiosity, it has so much to, sh to show me. And it usually isn't just in that one point. It will expand out and spread and sometimes transmute. So this comes back to our belief. Like, if we don't believe that we can do that, then we're not going to create that for ourselves. We're going to get more evidence on why we can't, but you can anchor in a belief on whatever you want. So then I realized that hard, intense pain is only experienced to the degree that I abandon my body, that I jump ship. I'm like, F this, I am out, this is intense. Ah, e, ah, ha, survive, survive. Instead of deepening into experience a little more and holding the one that wants to run away, the more present I am with myself using my tools, the more I recreate the moment, the more I expand, the more power comes back to me the more I become aware of my own being and the deeper into unity I flow. But it takes something to notice the one that labels, hold that one and choose differently outside of the labels. It's both and because guess what? We are an avatar experiencing in this realm, but we're also the awareness of that anchoring in a different frequency and vibration if we choose. <sighs> so, I believe, and in my experience, more power comes back to me in remembrance of choice and sovereignty when I use words like challenging. Even when I say hard, I slip up. It's so ingrained in my operating system now that I catch it instantly. I'm like, oh, I just said that. Interesting. Shift. Well, how am I relating to this experience? Now, I'm not saying every time I label something hard, I go head first. I'm still like, no, that's totally not me but I'm aware of what I'm actually saying and creating. Well, the sensation is not what ideal, and that's also what does ideal mean. It's like I'm labeling a past-based sensation as something that I quote-unquote favor more than this present sensation, so I'm labeling it hard and therefore creating an experience off of it. Um, if I just come back and remember I'm creating this, I'm choosing this moment, then I feel more present and aware and conscious. Like, oh, okay, this is what's playing out and this is what I'm choosing. It's been really powerful. 
Another one. Here we go. Dun 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 dun. I posted on Instagram a story of my friend, my friend, my other half of my soul. No, I'm a whole soul, but you know what I mean. River, and I had like 12 people ask me, "Why do you hate the word trust?" Because they said they go by they them. They said you hate the word trust, and so a number of people asked me why and here we go I said I'd shared on the podcast so when I asked to be shown more words of sovereignty I feel like part of my mission is to redefine recontextualize my whole dictionary that I use and I'm doing it poco a poco and the main word that came up that is like this deep branch that really reaches out far and wide is the word trust and how we're giving our power away and we're creating attachment and we're actually getting further away from sovereign alignment. Okay, I just had something drop in. Are we ever out of sovereign alignment? No, we're just, we're not. We're just pretending that we are by playing a victim instead of remembering, no, you're sovereign, you're choosing this. It's like, I like to explain it to certain people, certain clients I work with as you're hitting your head against the wall and then you're like, I, why are they hitting my head against the wall? Or I can't, my head won't stop hitting itself against the wall. It's like, just stop. Just choose differently. Just stop hitting your head against the wall. So we play victim. And then it's like, we're not. So this is just ways to come into, hmm, what's the word? The remembrance of sovereignty. The remembrance of every moment. So the word trust. You know, a lot of people use this as an empowering word, right? In my field, at least, it's constantly used in forms of, I trust my voice. I finally trust my partner. I don't like that dude over there. I just don't trust him. Things of that nature. But what are we really saying? It is so funny. You know, some people that come into my field, I want to move on with my husband, but I just can't trust him. And da 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 da, and like, wow, I I really deep. I don't know what it is about you, but I deeply trust you. And it's just like, like trust is some magical umbrella. Maybe one day we'll wake up with it, and wow, I suddenly trust you again. Or, you know, it's like, oh, that that the magic sprinkle fairy dust of trust just didn't rain down upon me today when I met you. So I just don't trust you. You know, like trust is something outside of ourself that can just like slowly creep on in oh there it is I trust for me I found it super potent in my life and in the life of people who have taken this on to see what we're really saying with that word what are we saying so let's say a husband cheats on his wife okay let's change it because I'm always making like the guy the one that's doing the thing a, a woman cheats on her husband goes out, makes out with a dude. Their commitment was to not make out with other people. So she broke the commitment. And he's like, I just can't trust her. Like, they, we were, this was our commitment and she broke the commitment. I want to make it work, but I can't trust her. So this takes a certain level of completing the past and choosing, know that you're choosing, sovereignly choosing to move forward and then make agreements around that. 
it doesn't mean it won't come in again. It won't want to be talked about again, but then you have agreements in place. Like I'm choosing to believe your word again and to move forward with you. And if it needs to come up again, because I need to process more around it, can we create a structure that that's okay? Because living in one foot in both worlds just does not fucking work. It just doesn't. Coming from one who has lived and still does a lot, one foot in, one foot out. That doesn't create, that's just, I mean, come on. So it takes a certain level of I'm completing the past and I'm choosing to trust this being. You're not going to wake up one day and be like, okay, after seven years of me asking you to do these things, I finally trust you. And it's like, no, you're choosing to believe. How long? And if you need time, say that. I don't believe your word right now. And I need some time for my being to process this energy. Instead of like, I just don't trust him. We're choosing to believe. I think like these are all things that support us in remembering our beliefs create our reality. So how can we just come back to that with the words that we use? And trust is a huge one. Here's one. Finally, someone speaks. This is one I've used before. Miss, I'm pinching my arm under the table because I'm so fucking afraid to talk to you that when I focus on the pain, it gets me to stay in the moment and not freak out and run. Coming from that to, to this, speak, I trust my voice. I finally trust my voice. I just don't trust my voice. No, what, what are you really saying? If you feel into your body, what is really being said? For me, it was, I'm experiencing such a deep sensation of fear when I have a desire to speak that I just don't even allow myself because I'm afraid of sounding stupid. I'm afraid of saying something wrong. I'm afraid people aren't going to like me. And, I, you know, I realized later that those were past-based experiences. I didn't have to find all of them, but I did once in a kundalini practice of like, oh, wow, this was from when I was in, I'm going to freaking say it, okay? Here's this. In fourth grade, Mrs. Jennings, we were reading clocks. So we had papers we, with little clocks on them. And it was really easy. Like the hands were on the drawn clocks and all you had to do was read the time on the clock. We were learning, that's crazy, fourth grade, yeah. So I wasn't really paying attention. So I, I, she called on me to read the clock and I read the wrong clock. And she said, the people started ch snickering a little bit, but she looked at me and she said, are you stupid? <laughs> and started laughing and everyone laughed. And I anchored in so deeply on that moment. Don't even fucking talk because you're, stu you're gonna sound stupid and people are gonna laugh at you. I was so mortified and embarrassed. So that played out forever. So then I painted that as I just don't trust my voice or da 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 or whatever. And then I finally am like, I trust my voice. But no, it's like, I finally am choosing to move through the fear and speak until I transmute this. I believe, I believe in myself enough to share what wants to come through me. I believe in my, my, my voice. You can say, I believe. Well, you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> you can't say that because I said. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like I choose to believe in my voice that wants to speak. I may feel fear of how it's received. I choose to love myself enough to let myself share self-love for the win, holding our sweet little bean through the fear. That's where the observer comes into play, observing our human, choosing differently, 
because there we go, we can say it's hard to speak. It's so hard, or we can say I'm experiencing intense sensation and I'm gonna lean on into it. Why? Because I have something to share. We all have something to share in one way or another, whether that's a painting, a song, an expression. We are medicine. We are freaking medicine. But if we're riddled with fear, how can the world receive us? It starts with receiving ourselves. How do we do that? By understanding what we're actually saying in the moment so we can see what our being's asking for. You know, if you're in a car with a guy and, or like a friend wants to hang out, like go to this guy's house and you're like, I just don't trust him. I met him once, he's weird. I just don't, I just don't trust him. Instead of labeling it as something different, can you just honor your intuition and say, you know, my intuition is just telling me this doesn't really feel in alignment, so I'm gonna choose no. That is powerful as fuck, just owning your own belief, telling your body, I believe in your feeling sense enough that I'm gonna, it's, it's not an outside word of trust. It's like, no, my belief, I'm believing in my intuition. Because the more we anchor this in and tell ourselves this, the more the networking system of our human starts to shift to understand that what we say we believe and what we're speaking or embodying, that's what we're creating externally. When we start to really understand this, then it gets radical. Then it's like, how can we play? A lot of you already know the story of when Sage and I found our land and had it paid off in three months when we didn't even have one third of it. And it took all of these tools of alignment of belief and not wavering because the mind wants to come in and sabotage. And as soon as we let those frequencies in, sabotage like the mind's a big bad perpetrator. No, the mind wants to protect, you know, protect us from the feelings of failure in things, things that we've labeled as failure, sweet mind. So it like comes in and wants to say why it's not gonna happen. And if we let in those thoughts, then it instantly starts to gather evidence. And then there we go. Then we have a whole lot of evidence to support that state of being. So. It's just like whenever we're pointing the finger out, blaming, playing victim to, making someone wrong, this is this, is this thing, it's like a sign, okay. I just don't trust them. It's like, wow, no, my belief is this. This is where my belief lies. And wow, okay, I'm going to own that. Or I'm going to shift it. When we pick apart, I trust the universe. What does that mean? What if the very definition of trust lies in the complete abomination of that word in its totality? What if, in fact, the very word trust it makes up an entire vortex of attachment and grasping? I trust. Usually it's the undercurrent is that it's gonna, I trust that it's gonna work out in my favor. That's still an attachment. What if we're just like, I am going down this rabbit hole and I believe that what's gonna unfold is for my best and highest good. We're anchoring in, we are choosing to believe this. Maybe this won't resonate with people. That's totally fine if it doesn't resonate with you, but for me it's completely shifted so much of my life and continues to unravel. I'm blown away how one word, one word can just be connected to so many different aspects of reality creation. One word. People say to me a lot, Sophia, there's just something about you. I, I trust you in, in all the different ways. I really, I feel a deep trust for you. 
I always, I love it. I am like, yay, I get a real-time opportunity to question what someone's saying. Ding, ding, ding. Thanks, universe. It's like a gift. So my birthday, I'm like, oh, so what do you, what does that mean to you? And it's always different for, for people. It's always different. <laughs> so what does that mean? What does that, what does that mean to you? It's like, I, I just believe what you say. There's something about your voice. can be, you know, like, what are you really saying? Well, your energy, how it's received in my field, it creates a knowing that I can believe your word. Or something of that nature. Like, let's get real with it. Oh, my gosh. This girl, at the, I think, uh, maybe I shouldn't say names. Recently, this woman at this retreat shared I, how bad and wrong she's been making her kids because she doesn't trust them because of something they did like five years ago. So they've been suffering for it for like five years. And she's like, I still don't trust you. She's dangling this thing over their head, making them so bad and wrong for it. <laughs> it's like, whoa, you've been living in the past for five years. Do you want to let go of those hot coals and complete the past? See them newly, move forward with new commitments, freedom, ease? Nah. I want to just keep making them wrong and just blame it on not trusting them. You know, I just can't trust them. It's not my fault. <laughs> pop, 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 pop. So back to the community thing that I said in the beginning, or maybe I erased it, how my community is now saying up here on the mountain. Constantly, it's like every time I turn the corner, like universe, are you fucking with me? Are you making more people say this to me because you know it triggers me? And I'm like, why does it trigger me? I'm like, because they don't know what the fuck they're saying to me. Well, why does that bother you? Like, does it matter? Can I just shift out and not have to go down this this path of needing to understand everything? The answer is usually no. I, <laughs> I really want to know. <laughs> I'm getting better at resting than not knowing. Um, anyways, I trust you are well. I trust. I trust you're well. Like, what? Whatever. So I've actually asked a few people, like, what are you saying to me? What do you mean when you say that? It's funny. I should start recording the answers and then make a compilation because it's so different. The most recent one, she said, um, I don't know. She said, one of my teachers started saying it to me and I asked, I actually asked her why she was saying it. And then she said this reason to the, it actually didn't really make sense. So it's also funny how we just pick up phrases from each other. Like every time I turn around, someone new is saying this phrase. It's like we're just taking on phrases and ways of being and things from other people. And do we know why? Do we know when beliefs, certain beliefs got instilled into us? Do you know that everything's a belief? Do you know that I don't shave my armpits? <laughs> do you know that I just trim them? I love them. If you know me, you know this. Do you know it's hilarious? What is fucking hilarious is when someone who hasn't deprogrammed that in their computer system of a human yet, and then they catch a glimpse of me when I lift up my arm and they do a double take, and it's like, oh, shit. She's got a little bit of hair under there. That's weird. Because why? Because someone along the way instilled beliefs that a woman needs to shave the hair under her armpits while a man doesn't. When did that belief come into us? When did the belief get instilled into us that we paint our faces? and think that that's makeup. Now, listen, I have people who are like, I just do it because I, it makes me feel good. Great, amazing, good for you. I'm glad you can feel good. And it's still the same that if it wasn't programmed into us that women do this to look more beautiful, we would never do it. 
We would never do it. Sometimes, yeah, tribes did it ceremonially. I'm going to put this, these markings on my face, but we're not like painting like six layers of stuff over top of our, our biggest organ, our skin, to try to look attractive for the external. And I'm saying it was so much weight. Like, look at me, like, blah, blah, blah. Wait as if you're wrong. No one's wrong. I, I used to do that. I used to not leave my house without all the makeup, without doing my hair, straightening it. I could not be seen. I would not, go, I would not do pool, pools at pool parties because it would mess up my hair and makeup, and I couldn't be seen without it. You want to know why? Want to know why that, where that got instilled into me? I did a lot of work on myself, okay? So between the years of seventh and eighth grade, I used to not be popular, not be really that cool. I look back, I'm like, dude, I had the dopest friends and I ditched them for people that took, I like, what? Anyways, I didn't really look that pretty. I mean, I think I was cute, but my hair was all weird and my clothes and everything. Between the summer of seventh and eighth grade, my stepsister came over with a hair straightener and showed me how to do my makeup. And I got a little bit of a different clothing style. So I went back into eighth grade and suddenly I was pretty and popular that's when I got my freaking first boyfriend who he was popular and I was always like crushing on him. Like, what? This guy wants to date me? <gasps> oh my God. Wow. I always have to look like this because look, now I'm validated. So I white knuckled that belief. I remember the first time because whenever my hair would get wet, it wouldn't be straight anymore and it'd be a little weird and curly. And I thought that was hideous. I programmed myself that that was hideous. And I remember I was at a concert one time with my friend Michelle and it was raining. I had to go into the bathroom so many times to look in the mirror to make sure I looked okay to try to tweak things around. And when I was going into the bathroom, this girl passed me and she said, I love your hair. It's so naturally wavy. And I freaked out. I freaked out. I'm like, Michelle, Michelle, she was making fun of me, wasn't she? she? She didn't really mean that, did she? And Michelle was like, what? Like, yeah, your hair looks fine. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like, why would she say that? I'm freaking out because I'm like, there's no way this is true. How could she say that? From then on, it started to unravel. <laughs> it was challenging for me to start allowing myself to go out without makeup on. The belief that I wasn't pretty, I had to learn to... to view what beauty was and reconstruct my beliefs around that. So I watch, I watch when my being, because I'm programmed still in this computer system, when I see someone who has makeup on and I want to be like, you look so pretty. It's like, whoa, I actually think people look so incredibly stunning, natural. When I see someone natural in their natural hair and just their beauty radiates it's challenging to look at makeup now for me. I'm like, whoa, because I just see it so clearly. Like, what are you doing? Why? Cool, it's fun for you. Why does it mean anything about me? It's just like I feel, I see parts of myself in that. So anyways, back to beliefs. When did beliefs get put into us? You know, we're just, we're a system that can continuously like pull, cancel, delete beliefs and anchor in ones that are in alignment with who we want to be for ourselves in the world. If we become conscious and aware of the ones that are operating, we can choose something different in every moment. We can choose to believe, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I don't like this job. And I'm going to choose to believe that I'm going to make even more money at my next job. If we put out that energy and that belief and take action, inspired action from that place, it has no choice but to drop in. It has no choice but to drop in if you stay with it and keep believing and don't let any evidence gather as to why that's not the case. So I'll do another episode in the future around 
making wrong and how we can create change without making wrong when we can choose to believe something different and anchor in a different frequency to create actual sustainable change and how usually when we're pointing the finger out, we're doing something that is actually creating that and feeding that in some way or shape or form, that belief or, or that action and just coming back home to responsibility of our life. And so those are a few words of sovereignty, of remembering our sovereignty that we're choosing. It was so funny. I have so many references to go off of because I meet so many people. Um, a few weeks ago, this person was saying, "I'm I keep I'm not choosing, and I'm I'm I, I, like all about not choosing. Like I'm not choosing. I'm not going to choose. I'm not choosing, and I, I'm not choosing in my life. I'm like, do you realize that not choosing is choosing? Not choosing is sovereignly choosing." There is no moment that we're not not choosing. What are we choosing? Is it in alignment with how we would like to experience our life? I'm going through a complete decimation of how I've created myself in my life. I'm really getting a good long look in surrendering into this flow and I really want to label it a whole bunch of things and I'm experiencing all those things. It's very full spectrum and I'm allowing myself to hold those things and surrender even deeper into a flow that's carrying me beyond what my attachments and graspings want to do. So thank you for listening tonight because saying these things out loud is just reaffirming it for me. And let me know if you got something out of this. And I just want to reiterate, my intention isn't to share. We shouldn't label things dualistically. Here's an invitation to look deeper into what we're saying and what reality we're creating based upon those boxes and labels that we're putting things in, especially with our family. We can do a whole episode on that, making someone wrong in our family. Usually with family members, we can have years of reasons why they're that thing. So a ton of evidence to support our claim and to continue seeing them through that lens. So it takes something to realize that we're sovereignly choosing this and we can choose something different if we want to, but then it means completing the past and that means re-going into the feelings and the stories and getting them complete, sometimes in communication. Woo! Completion conversations are my favorite. I love when they come up with clients. I'm like, oh, ho, ho, that mom that you haven't talked to in 10 years, she's next. She's next. It's my favorite thing. My favorite thing. Shout out to you-know-who, who just like six weeks ago said, there's no way I'm going to see my family. They're all wrong. Like, like talking about how they're all wrong, all of them, his whole family, and they all live together. They are all this. It's been this way for seven years, for seven years. So there's seven years of evidence. I'm like, yep, I hear the seven years of evidence is why they're that. And are you willing to complete the past and see them newly? So we just... He did it with all of them, completed the past, had completion conversations, enrolled them all in the new version of him, took responsibility, went and just had the most epic holiday with them all for the first time where they're finally seeing a six-year-old son. Well, some of them saw him like once before, but like getting to celebrate them, celebrate him finally. It's like a whole new relationship emerged between him and the whole entire family because he completed the past. <laughs> Woo! could have stayed in that space forever. 
keep creating them as that. Anyways, all right. Yay for sovereignty. Yay for choice. Yay for being able to choose something different. And yay for learning to hold ourselves along the way through all the feels, anchoring in deeper and deeper love. Let me get my chimes here. Wanna take a breath together? Let all the air out. Bring it back in. Open up that body. And hold the breath at the top. Let it go. Oh my God. I'm gonna play you a song if you're still here. You get the bonus. From the bean who makes me cry constantly just by looking at her i'm so forever grateful that i have this person in my field this song has been my mantra my anchor my guiding force and through what i'm moving through right now so we want to hear it i'm going to play it on my phone i hope it comes through all is well all that i find within myself and though I may not hear an answer, I'll let myself be. Mm. If I intend 